Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Good afternoon, everybody. It's 4.06 in the Rocky Mountain West. This is the Around the House program. Fourth of December, counting down to the big day. A happy Hanukkah, by the way, if, uh, if you celebrate that. And Merry Christmas to all of you here in the audience. And we're delighted you're with us here on the Around the House program. Our phone number is 303-713-8255. My name is Ken Moon, and we'll be here a couple of hours, as we have been every Saturday, virtually every Saturday for 28 and a half years, something like that. So we're glad you're with us. Welcome along to our program, and we hope you'll stick around and give us a call. By the, here's another reason to stick around, by the way, uh, and that is that we'll have a special guest in the 5 o'clock hour, right after the 5 o'clock news. Our buddy Brian Piles from Eagle Crest Heating and Air Conditioning will be here. He's joined us a, a few times in the past, every uh, two or three months or something, to talk about heating, we're in getting well into the Christmas uh, and winter heating season right now, and so he'll want to talk a little bit about your furnace, how to take care of it, and what to look for for troubles and problems, thermostats, talking about humidifiers. So uh, if you are interested in that, and I'm sure you are, if you have a house and it has a heating system, then you want to stick around for my buddy Brian from Eagle Crest in the 5 o'clock hour. Well, let's, I want to start with this. this is interesting. PNC Bank every year comes up with the cost of the 12 days of Christmas. Now, they didn't do it last year because of the pandemic, pandemic, but this year, the total cost for 2021 for 12 days of Christmas, $41,205.58. That's up 5.7% over 2019. Here's kind of the breakdown if you're interested in this. Partridge and a pear tree, 200. I'm going to round these off. I'm not going to give you the, the cents. Partridge and a pear tree, $222. Two turtle doves, two and a quarter each for a total of $450. Three French hens, they're kind of cheap, $255. But their price is up 40% this year from 2019 because egg laying hens, right? Birds, you know, chickens and eggs are, are more expensive. Four calling birds. Rounded off 600 bucks. Five gold rings, 895. Of course, gold has risen quite a bit since 2019. Six geese a laying. Well, they're up to be uh, about 57%, like all egg laying birds. So 660 bucks for the six geese a laying. Seven swans are swimming. Swans are kind of expensive. So $13,125. Eight maids milking, 58 bucks. They must be getting. Minimum wage, they'd be better off at Walmart, says PNC Bank. Nine ladies dancing, $7,552. They must be getting union scale. Ten lords a-leaping. Talk about chauvinism. These guys are $11,260 this year. That's 12.6 more. Eleven pipers piping. They're pretty cheap. I guess the lords are more expensive than the pipers. 
11 pipers piping 2943. Uh, that's up 7.1% from two years ago. And 12 drummers drumming $3,183, also up 7.1%. For a total, you're going to buy your girlfriend uh, 12 days of Christmas, $41,205.58. Do you remember in the office, Andy Bernard bought, uh, I think it was Aaron, his girlfriend, uh, all these uh, geese and ducks and turtle doves, and she comes out with all these scratches. I, Thanks a lot for my 12 days of Christmas. That was a, an interesting episode. But there is the co that's inflation for you. So watch out for the 12 days of Christmas this year. 303-713-8255. Oh, I looked on my, I, I kind of like to keep track of astronomy, and you'll be happy to know that the sun is setting at its earliest time for the year right now. It's, it's about uh, 22 minutes to 5. It sets local time, and it's going to stay that way for another 10 days or so, and then the sun will start setting later. Now, that's the days themselves are going to get a little shorter until around the first of the year, the total length of daylight. But at least the sun is not going to go down any earlier than it is right now. We're grateful for that as the seasons come and go and the solstice is right around the corner. I thought you'd like to know that. How's that winter watering coming at your house? I hope you're, you've been, I did it this week I, and I um, did it about, uh, I think maybe two weeks ago and then this week. I probably should do it a little more often. It's been so dry now. We, I think both Denver and Colorado Springs has set a, a long-time record of the latest uh, snowfall, latest in the season. You know, gosh, we get snow in sometimes May and, and May for sure and sometimes June, but no measurable snow this, this far. I think the rule is it has to be a tenth of an inch or more to count as a measurable snowfall. I think I'm right on that, but anyway... Dry winter, and as my buddy John Creddy always says, you got to do that winter watering uh, for your lawn, of course, and for your flower gardens. Don't neglect rose bushes. Need a drink? Any bushes around your house? Just flower gardens in general, because there's there are bulbs under there and perennials that would like a like a swig of water. So do that winter watering. Uh, as dry as it is, you know, usually I, John and I, have, over the years, have discussed this my gardening with an altitude buddy, John Creddy, that about every three to four weeks in a typical winter, well, this is not a typical winter. We're not getting any precipitation, so I think every two weeks would be a smart thing uh, to do. To, you know, one of the three or four weeks is when this, this dry is probably too long uh, to wait. So we'll just have to wait and see what Mother Nature does. Of course, uh, we will probably get some big snowfalls uh, a little later in the season, but now I hope you're doing that winter watering. 303-713-8255 is our telephone number. And uh, oh, but another, I'm going to put a pitch in uh, and remind you, neener, neener, right, that I don't blow out my sprinkler system. So all I had to do this week to water, didn't have to drag any hoses or sprinklers around. I just turned a couple of valves and turned my clock on and off. She went watering all five zones in my yard and my flower garden. So uh, that's why I encourage you not to blow out uh, any kind of a modern sprinkler system. Uh, I think it's a, it's not only it, will it cost you some money to do it, but uh, it's, you know, you, this time of year you need it, and dragging hoses around is not my thing. So I thought you'd uh, need a reminder about winter winter watering. Uh, let's see here. This is from, this is an email from 
uh, from Karen. Just wanted to let you know that Brian was not far away last week and came to check our heating issues. His knowledge and problem-solving skills are superb. Rather than trying to sell us a new furnace, he determined the ductwork wasn't done right and uh, and gave us some um, advice about modifying our system. Awesome guy. We probably, truly appreciate his honesty. Thank you, Karen. That's Brian from Eagle Crest, our guest in the 5 o'clock hour this afternoon. Uh, Brian has that heating and air conditioning company in the Met Denver metro area called Eagle Crest. And they have some great deals on a new, new furnace. If your furnace is 25 years old or older, you need a new one and he can get you a, a deal, 3600 bucks for a brand new ring furnace installed complete. That's a great great price, best price in town for 100,000 BTU two-stage gas valve ring furnace. You can't find a better deal around. So give him a call, 303-451-5607. And if you haven't had your furnace checked this year, you need to get that done to keep your family safe. And so call him again. He's got a $69 special in the metro area for that furnace clean and checked. And if you want a $50 gift card for Brian's services, we gave a couple of those away this week. Just email me right here in the studio through the AroundTheHouse.com website, second button from the left, and I'll get your request to Brian. Get a $50 gift card for any of his services uh, of Brian and Eagle Crest, and, and uh, you know even getting that furnace check will give you that $50 credit. So I want you to call him, 303-451-5607, to get your furnace checked. Maybe even get a new furnace and get an April air humidifier from Eagle Crest. We'll be right back, right here on Around the House, 303-713-8255. From your faucet to your furnace, Ken Moon has solutions around the house. It's 19 minutes after 4 o'clock. Welcome back to the program Around the House, and we're glad you're with us. And we have a special guest, a surprise. I took John Creddy's name in vain about 10 minutes ago. He was listening, and he thought he'd call in and, and maybe do a little elucidating of winter watering. John, how are you? Well, I'm doing good, Ken. Good to hear you. In fact, I'm listening to iHeart on my radio app, and that's how I caught you, because guess what I was doing today out in the orchard? Something that you just talked about. Winter watering, huh? Winter watering. And, and I'll tell you, it's been so dry here on the western slope as it has been over in your neck of the woods that I think uh, you're doing a great service to remind people to get out there when the weather is this warm and give those trees and shrubs, uh, even the lawn, a good soaking so the root system doesn't die out and then we have a lot of winter kill showing up uh, later on next year. John, do you, John by the way, is uh, a gardening with an altitude friend. I've known him, John, for going on 30 years now, and he's a guest every five or six weeks on the program. He's a prolific author, and it's a great gift uh, idea to get maybe one of John's books at Amazon.com. John Creddy, C-R-E-T-I. How's that for a promo, John? I well, get yeah, that in. I, I did, I, yeah, I didn't expect that, but I do appreciate that. Uh, no, not at all. As always, did you like yeah. my, not, did you like my analysis? You and I have talked in a normal winter, I'm using air quotes here, uh, every three or four weeks you might want a winter water. But on a winter, in a, in a season like this is pretty unusual, maybe every couple of weeks. What do you think about that? I think you're exactly on track there because, uh, you know, we're losing anywhere from a tenth, uh, uh, a, a, a tenth of an inch of water 
every week with these dry conditions. And even though a lot of people think, well, my plants are dormant, they're not growing, the root system still does require moisture to sustain the plant. So you don't want any of that root system to uh, die out over the winter because that damage will show up later on next spring and summer when there's no root system to support the top growth. So every two weeks when the weather's like it has been in the 50s over here, 60s, and then in the 70-degree range over in the Denver, Metro, and Colorado Springs area, when it's up in the 70-degree range, these plants get fooled. In fact, I've had some people already tell me that they've got iris that are blooming because they're not used to this uh, unseasonable type of weather conditions. Well, and we always, and I just reminded the audience, it's worth reminding you again that if you have a flower garden, many people have uh, a little daffodils and tulips and uh, not to mention perennials that are sitting there and need to drink, drink badly, don't they, if they're going to do their thing in the spring. That's exactly right. And for especially people that, you know, if you put in new tulips and daffodils or any spring flowering bulbs this past, you know, month or so, those require moisture to root in and develop their flower buds because if they don't get moisture, they'll come up in the spring, but they won't bloom. So anything that you put in that's new in flower beds or even those that have been established, you want to go out there every couple of weeks when it's this dry and give them a a nice drink of water, a deep soaking, and then uh, the same with new trees and shrubs. And they're going to thank you for that in the long run by coming out in the spring in a healthy, normal condition. If you want to ask John a gardening question, feel free to call in at 303-713-8255. Well, you've reminded me of something that, that kind of is frustrating for me around my yard. I've got uh, irises that don't all bloom. I've got peonies that don't bloom every year. Um, and uh, uh, other bulb-type plants, like you say, daffodils and so on, that come up with nice green foliage and don't bloom. Is that more often than not related to moisture, John? It can well be, especially during dry periods, because if the plant doesn't get enough moisture during that initial period of of, uh, rooting in the fall, that's the main time that daffodils and tulips and hyacinths, any of the spring flowering bulbs are developing their flower buds in the fall season and late winter. So they need moisture in the soil. Even though you can't see any growth on top, they're doing their thing underground. So if they don't get enough moisture, they won't come up and bloom normally the following uh, spring. So that's, that's really critical. The other thing to keep in mind, too, as our landscapes mature, sometimes the trees and shrubs are going to shade the areas where you have plantings. And you have to keep that in mind where you may have to uh, re- reset the bulbs in a more sunny area of course, you wouldn't do that now, but you would do that next year if, if need be to help make sure that they're getting the proper sunlight when they do come up in the springtime. That may be my peony problem because I've got a, a big snowball bush that's grown and kind of shades it over the years and grown over the years, and that may be the problem. Um, right. Are peonies easy to transplant or is that a mess? Well, they are a challenge because as they grow older, they have a rather massive root system. It's a real fibrous uh, and some somewhat fleshy root system as well. So you need to take a couple of spading forks to lift it out of the ground. And, you know, if you're not so concerned about it blooming next spring, uh, you could do that in springtime, and it'll reestablish and then bloom in uh, 20, 
24, for example. So that's something to think about if you need to move it. It, it doesn't hurt to move a peony in the spring. You're just going to sacrifice the flowers for that one spring season. Yeah, John, you're, you're, John is the author of, among other many other titles, the month-by-month gardening in the Rocky Mountains. And, uh, John, we're in December here, Christmas just around the corner. And uh, what should the gardeners be doing and thinking about right now? Is it more just a, a planning month, or are there some things that we should be doing besides uh, winter watering? Well, it is a good time to plan. Uh, if you're like me and many gardeners that, you know, get these catalogs in the mail now, I'm, they're starting to come in, the nursery and seed catalogs are coming in for next year. So if you want to plan to put in new varieties of vegetables or flowers or things like that, you can start kind of making a wish list with your uh, catalogs that are coming in and then make an early order so that you can get varieties that you may not be able to get locally. And that's something as far as planning. So that's a good part of it. Also, you know, we, um, we want to remind people that if you have young trees that, that have thin bark on them, uh, usually it's important to wrap the trunks of the tree, put on a tree wrapping. It's a, a crepe-like uh, wrapping that you wrap from the bottom up, and that'll protect trees from sun scald injury. That's where the, the uh, tree bark will split and crack on the southwest side from sun exposure. So uh, usually my rule of thumb as I write uh, my articles is to wrap around Thanksgiving and then take the wrap off around Easter time, that helped protect young trees that haven't developed a mature bark. So you're saying because of the low sun uh, in the south part of the sky, you're saying that? Right. Exactly yeah, right. Yeah. That's that's where we get the sun scald injury that we uh, often see in trees where you have uh, fissures or cracks along that southwest side or the south side. Because what happens is, especially like this time of year, um, we're getting dry weather uh, the tree bark warms up, and then the temperatures plummet at night. That fools the plant, and so those cells are active, and then the, the bark will, uh, or the cells will burst, and that's where it causes the cracking or the uh, splitting there. Speaking of trees, I, I don't know about in your part of the world, but I seem to have a lot of squirrels around uh, right now. Uh, they're scurrying around. I don't know if they're getting ready to, you know, they're, they want to get food put away and kind of get ready for the harsh weather to come. But they can kind of hurt uh, trees in their own way, uh, like fruit tree bark and that sort of thing. Talk about that a little bit, John. Well, that's a good point. You know, with the mild weather, there's a lot of animals still scurrying about. And, and if they're looking for moisture, uh, squirrels in particular, uh, you know, other kinds of uh, ground rodents like voles and, and uh, meadow mice, they're going to be chewing on the bark of trees, and that can damage some of the branches. Or in the case of uh, lawns and, and uh, meadow mice are chewing on the root system of junipers or other shrubs, that can weaken a plant too. So you need to be aware of that and hope that we have some natural predators around that can help uh, reduce their populations. Or, you know, maybe you put out a squirrel feeder or something like that to keep them away from your prized plants and things like that. So just something to keep in mind. You bring up a good point. Many people don't think about that, but I've seen a lot of damage from uh, where you see branches dropping off the trees because the squirrels are nibbling to get uh, get some moisture, and, and they're also chewing on the bark as a food source because they didn't stock up on other seeds and nuts and things like that.
The answer there is, uh, I guess there are spray repellents like my Bonide, uh, my Repelzol there. That's a good way to, to tackle that, is it not, John? Right. There's not a lot that's else. A very, yeah. yeah, that's a very good point. In fact, we have, you know, it's been so mild here, we have deer still browsing in uh, the garden. They're eating things like the, the buds of roses that are setting for next year and things like that. So if you have some repellent, uh, that's something that will help keep them at bay and they can go and graze on other things. So, yes, that's a, a very good point. If your deer are like mine, they uh, eat uh, and they leave little presents in the yard. But what are you what are you going to do, yeah. right, John? Right. Well, that's that's a, that's kind of an extra benefit. So you know, you you, t you just deal with it and and you learn to live with nature because that's what oh, they yeah. do. Yep. Hey, Dave in Westminster wants to ask you a, a question. Dave, you're on the air with John Creddy. Hi. Good afternoon, gentlemen. Pleasure to speak with both of you. Uh, I just got a question about planting, since I'm already thinking springtime. Is there any benefit to marking a plant, uh, the direction when you dig one up, to putting it back on the ground facing the same direction? Well, that's that's a good question because a lot of people think that, uh, you know, but it really doesn't in the long term matter if you have okay. to orient it the same way, just as long as you plant it at the right depth that it was growing at in the nursery. You don't plant it too deep. In fact, I like to err on planting it a little higher because when you water it in, it's going to settle a little bit. But there really is no scientific evidence that you have to plant it the same orientation that uh, you, you know, that you dig it at, for example. Okay. That answers it. I appreciate your time. That's Thank you. It's a good question, Dave. Uh, I I have a, a garden window with a bunch of house plants in it, and I I have always rotated them. John, is that something you just don't necessarily need to do? Well, with house plants, though, Ken, you're exactly right. You should rotate your house plants. Oh, you should. Okay. Light. Okay. Yeah, because you're, they're getting light just from one direction, and if you want them a fuller uh, fuller plant, you know, rotate them a quarter turn every other day so that by the end of the week you have a full rotation. It'll be a more uniform house plant. So that's a good point. You know, uh, I, there's an, there is an old wives' tale. I don't know if it's still politically correct to use that term, but but I've heard the same thing Dave has. If you transplant a plant, you got to be scrupulous about getting the same compass orientation. Uh, but you're saying uh, depth and is more important than... Than the compass is what I hear you saying. Right. Yep. That's yeah. exactly right. Yep. Well, John, thank you for using your uh, time. It's sun setting on the western slope as it is here, and I mean, you maybe need to get back to your winter watering. It's such a great surprise, and yeah. it gives me a well, chance to say to Merry Christmas to you and the family. Well, and and the same to you, Ken. I just happened to be outside, and I thought, I, well, I caught this. I thought, well, I'm going to give you a call and 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 just uh, reiterate what you're saying there. But the sun is beginning to set here on the western slope, so I'm going to, again, you know, I've I've got the hoses out. I'm not lucky to have a sprinkler system anymore like you do. So you have the advantage. So I yeah. get the hoses drained out. I'll take my compressor and blow them out, and then uh, put them back until in the next two weeks if it's dry again. So. It's been a pleasure talking with you, yep. and, and uh, Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays we'll, uh, to you. We'll have well. you on the show uh, for a full, uh, you know, full hour uh, right after the first of the year sometime, so we'll be in touch by email. Thank you, John. Okay, sounds great. You, you take Merry care. Merry Christmas. Again. All right. Okay. Thank you. Bye now. Bye-bye. John Creddy, thanks for joining us. We'll be right back right here on Around the House.
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Got a fix-it problem at your house? Ken Moon can help. Call 303-713-TALK. That's 303-713-8255. It's 22 minutes before uh, 5 o'clock, and we're glad you're with us here on the Around the House program. Coming up at 5.06, right after the 5 o'clock news, our friend Brian from Eagle Crest will be here, and you can talk about furnace and air conditioning issues maybe for next spring and you need a new furnace or not, uh, uh, just how to take care of your heating system and humidifiers, which are a big deal this time of year. I hope you've got one. And uh, I would uh, look forward to having you call in when Brian is here from Eagle Crest at 5.06. Let's see. Uh, on the line is Vito in Bailey, Colorado. Vito, you're on the air. Hi. What's going on? Hi, Ken. Yeah, I, I got a trouble with one of my electrical circuits. Um, at the end of the line, I believe, I have two receptacles. When I measure the wire on the outside, I get 120, 24 volts. Okay. When I connect it and plug it into the plug with my probe, my voltmeter, uh-huh. I only got 90, 92 volts. So, so it well, doesn't work. In, you know. That's interesting because 124 is too much. And ninety something is too little. Uh, if you, the typical residential circuit uh, is going to be around oh, 117 volts, give or take, maybe 119. Uh, usually mm-hmm. not 120. Pardon me. Yeah, no. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm uh, okay, you still there? Okay. downstairs. Yeah. Work. And what? And I'm what's the voltage down there? Yeah, 123. Yeah. Are you out in a rural area, Vito? Yes. Out, out. Yeah, I think you need to call the power company. Um, the uh, because oh, I think. That, pardon me. Okay. Yeah, I think I would. I think that's a little on the high side, and the the fact that you're getting a voltage drop when you plug in uh, your tester uh, uh-huh. is not not a good sign either. I don't know. Maybe that's just that one circuit. I'm not sure. But it sounds to me like there may be a problem with your incoming power line. And I think, are you on like a rural electric uh, co-op kind yeah. of thing? or Yeah. Uh-huh. I, would, I would get them over there because uh, there's something that's out of balance, I think, in your incoming power system. Now, the 123, 124, is that all over the house? I'm checking that right now. I'm looking at some more while I'm talking yeah, to yeah. you. Yeah, sure. Go ahead. Um Yep, that's what I'm getting. 123, 123 is the normal. 
Yeah. Yeah, I would I would sure call them at least talk to them on the phone about this and and uh, discuss this with them because in my experience that's a little on the high side. And as a matter of fact, <clears throat> I could guess you could make a, a case from an electrical engineering standpoint that if you're in a rural system way out at the end of the line your voltage will be a little lower and not a little higher. So uh, I would run this by them, I, and I would not wait too long. I'd get this done. You don't want any problem with, you know, blown out appliances and that sort of thing, okay? Okay, no, that's that's great. But actually, I'm real close to the substation, so. Are you? Okay, that's, all right. Yeah, yeah maybe like it could be the, it could be the uh, transformer feeding your house. It's hard to say. But many times, these kind of odd electrical imbalances and, uh, you know, people call up here with problems that their oven works and then it doesn't work, those kind of calls. Sometimes the, the main feeder lines into your house are oxidized, need to be tightened up, or there's some kind of issue okay. with your feed lines. But they'll, they'll, they'll look it all over for you, okay? Oh, that's a great idea. Thank you. That's probably all right. free, too. <laughs> Pardon me? Yeah, it'll be free. Absolutely. Listen, Merry yes. Christmas. I'm glad you called. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Let's see here, 303-713-8255 is our contact number. And I've got a couple emails here we can do before we take our, uh, take our break. Here's kind of a timely one for this year. I should, um, I should probably save this one for, for Brian. I'm going to actually, this is about heating. I'm going to tease you with this. Tom sent me an email about heating in a finished basement. I'll let, I'll let Brian answer that in the next hour. Uh, this is from Marge. Home is about nine years old. We notice that our front door closes and locks but doesn't seal well. We can see lots of daylight. How do we fix the, fix the gap? It's funny. I got an email uh, this week uh, on this exact same subject so I can cover this. Pat sent me an email. Same kind of idea of, of daylight showing around the front door. And uh, let's talk about that just for a minute. If you can, if, if you see daylight, the first thing, the first test to do is to, this is a two-person job, have somebody stand back and, you know, look, no, look where they can see the daylight around the edges of your front door, and then uh, the other person walk up and push on the door. If the daylight disappears all the way around the door when you push on it, that's a, that's a pretty good thing, because that's going to just simply require that you adjust the latch and the deadbolt, okay, and then... Uh, and and it, that's an easy, easy job. If, however, they push against the door and there's some daylight disappears and some is still there, then you may have a warped door, and that's more serious, of course. A warped door, whether it's steel or wood, uh, fiberglass doors, I guess they can warp. They don't usually. They're very stable. But if you have a warped door, uh, and you can maybe you can live with it by putting weather stripping here and there, maybe a double level weather stripping or something to close up the daylight. But more often than not, it's simply the latch and the deadbolt. So you, you take, go to the striker on the side of the door, you open the door, and there's that hole in there that the latch fits into, and you need to adjust that. Now, there's some companies that have adjustable strikers, and those are very easy to, to deal with. Uh, and others, you have to actually remove the striker and take your chisel and, and, and grind out a little of the wood to make the striker uh, and the striker plate uh, go closer out to the outside of the house. In other words, you're pulling the door in to get rid of that daylight. So you just have to adjust it and tweak it. But that's that one test, pushing against the door, either all the daylight disappears or it doesn't, is a good way to, to get started on that. So, that's, Marge, that's a, that's a good question. If you have a warped door, you know, and they're expensive to replace, 
So you may just need to add some exterior weather stripping. Most front doors have a built-in integral weather stripping built into the, the jam of the door. It's usually some kind of rubberized vinyl or plastic or something. And you, you can add, you can close the door and then add from the outside some additional wet weather stripping with a sticky back on it, and it'll just close those daylight gaps up. You don't want to let this last, of course, because you get cold air and snow and sand blows in through a door. And uh, another, of course, another idea that I have at my house, and I recommend this to everybody, is to uh, get a storm door, uh, a st combination storm screen door, to go right over the top of your existing front door, and that will help keep the weather out and, and keep any, uh, you know, the sand and snow and wind and cold from coming in the house. So a storm door does help. But a daylight gap, push against the door. If it disappears, just adjust the striker. That's an, a relatively easy uh, thing to do on a, on a Sunday afternoon. We'll be right back. 303-713-8255 right here on Around the House. Advice on your next home project? Back to Around the House with Ken Moon. It's 10 minutes before 5 o'clock on the Around the House program. Don't forget at 5.06 after the news, our buddy Brian Piles from Eagle Crest Heating and Air Conditioning will be here. I guess technically it's Eagle Crest Mechanical, but you get the you get the idea. Let's talk to Bill over in Lakewood. Bill, you're on the air with Ken Moon Around the House. Hi. Hey, how's it going? Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you. What's up, buddy? Let me just a quick thing before I give you my question. I meant to, yeah. I tried to call in last week, but I was at the end of the show when that guy had called up about the baseboard heaters. Uh-huh. Well, anyway, when I added on, the old furnace couldn't handle the new part of the house. So we put 220 baseboard heaters in. And cost-wise, I never very little on the bill. Oh really? That's good. You know, and and the installation, the the the, the electrical baseboard uh, heaters themselves aren't very expensive, are they? They're they're relatively. Oh, no, cheap. I don't remember. That was 20 years ago. Yeah. But um, you know, but it it works out good. I and now what I do is because I got an older house that has low ceilings, so that when they put the new furnace in, when they went to the new room, they had to go with a, a like a pancake type ductwork. Mm -hmm. And I have to run the fan all the time to keep it even with the air conditioning and the heat because I put a vaulted ceiling in to boot. <laughs> so so I use the 220 heaters just to subsidize it when it's yeah. really cold out. Well, that's great. Yeah, And what I like about electric heat, you know, like you say, it's fairly expensive to run. But what I like about it is it's zonable. I and, mean, you know, you walk in the room, you turn it on, and boom, it's the, it, well, it's, it's, it's almost. It's not as dry. It, it, doesn't, it takes just a couple minutes to heat the room up. Yeah. So, but anyway, the question I got, it's got to do with the heaters. So anyway, it's a pain in the neck to get, you know, it's got the knob thermostats on them, you know, to control the temperature of each one. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. So my question is, is what I do is, because one's behind a computer desk, one's behind all kinds of junk on the floor. Yeah. So I just flip the breakers on and off. Now, am I beating up the breakers? 
Well, as long as, you know, uh, that's a great question. You may, I don't know if you know this, uh, but a lot of in retail, re- retailers in like strip malls and so on, they, they use the breakers in the panel to turn all their fluorescent lights on and off where, because uh, they can just do it quickly when they leave at night. And I asked an electrician about that once. Funny you brought this up, it was years ago. Uh, and we had a, a, a clothing store in our family. And they said, well, you know, the breakers are not rated to be like snap switches, which is the regular light switches that go on uh, on and off, you know, and, and they're rated for constant use, so to speak. Breakers are not similarly rated, but he said as long as they're working okay, if they're not loose or you don't, there's no issue sparking or uh, overheating or anything, it's probably okay. And, Bill, it sounds like you don't do it that often anyway, maybe once a day maybe or something. Right, 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 right. Yeah. Well, no, see, I think that's know, I think that's. Then I a, went online and then I went to YouTube and asked the same question and stuff. Yeah. And, yeah. and I really didn't understand what the heck they were talking about. They were talking about there's a different type breaker that's designed to be turned on and off like that. I did not know that. You know, you've got me. There's another homework assignment. I'm going to look that up. But I this this was the, the, the anecdote I shared with you was, uh, I don't know when it was, uh, 30 years ago or something. So uh, maybe 30, maybe almost 40 now. And. So let me, I'll check that. I'm going to check that. Um, uh, Breakers that are meant to go on and off. But he said just regular breakers, if you don't do it every, you know, on, off, on, off every 10 minutes, he said once or twice a day, he didn't think it was a problem. And and matter of fact, it worked out fine. Uh, We had no problem at all. I'm retired from uh, Excel. And when we had to get clearances on equipment, they would flip the breakers. Yeah. Yeah. Whenever needed, it wasn't like, oh, we can't do it that often, you know. And then like, well, no, no, like, oh, if, no. They're designed uh, for two two things. Of course, a short circuit or overload. They're designed to trip on their own, but they're also designed as a disconnect, which is a a, right. a, legal, a technical electrical term, which means you're going to work on some equipment or you uh, have to rewire something. They're designed to to turn off the the uh, the conductors, you know, going to that. No, no, that's and that's what they're designed for. But Bill, if you were doing it once or twice a day, I wouldn't even bat an eye about. It. I think you're fine. That's what I thought. I just because yeah. I I got to go outside and it's at night and I'm thinking if this thing blows up in my face, I'm gonna lay here dead. <laughs> oh, your electric panels outdoors? Yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Thanks a lot. Well, you got it, Bill. Merry Christmas. Thanks for calling. Appreciate it. Uh, Bill reminds me uh, that I haven't talked about this for a while. If you have an electric panel outdoors, many builders do that. They, it's a way to save money. I mean, the, you know, there's technical reasons for that. I don't like outdoor panels, but it's perfectly legal as long as you use a weatherproof box. If you have one of those, then I strongly suggest you get a padlock. There's a little loop at the bottom of the door that when it slams shut, this little loop usually falls down, and there's a there's a hole there to put a padlock through just to keep the... The, the, the rascals out, people that want to mess with your house. And sometimes, I suppose, uh, burglars might use that as a way uh, they think maybe they're going to turn off this security system or something uh, and uh, would turn off your breakers. Uh, so you just don't want unauthorized persons in there. So uh, I want you to make sure that if you have an outside electric panel, put a padlock on it, and you'll, you know, you'll, you'll be safer from folks that want are up to no good, okay? So let's see, real quick here, what do we got? What do we got? This is from Anita. Uh, 
Anita says that she gets kind of a sewer-y uh, smell, almost, she says, like like raw sewage coming out of her washing machine. And I asked her if it was a, a front loader, because that's when I usually get those questions. Front loaders tend to be a little more stinky than top loaders. She said, no, it was a top loader. And so uh, I did the usual suggestions. Make sure you leave the lid up after you do each load of washing so you get evaporation. And there's sometimes there's some gaskets or little plastic indents around the top of the, uh, of, the, of the drum itself. It doesn't hurt to wipe those down with Clorox and water once in a while and see how that goes. Uh, and uh, she said she had done that. So I said, you know, the next thing is to get the old plumber's snake out. Washing machines blow out a lot of lint and thread and so on as they empty the water. And sometimes that material gets stuck at the trap at the bottom of that pipe that the dishwasher uh, empties into. So. Uh, I think a plumber snake is a great idea. Just shove it down in there, and usually it's about three feet or so to the trap, and, and jerk it back and forth a half dozen times to loosen things up, and then get a hose and just blast in some cold water through a hose to get all the residual material to go down the drain, and I think you'll be fine. I think what's going on, that stinky smell is sewer gas coming in because there's no water in that trap because it's full of lint. So, a plumber snake, a little cheap plumber snake, works nicely. Thank you for that email. We'll be back with Brian of Eagle Press to talk about heating and air conditioning right after the news, right here on Around the House. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Thanks for sharing your weekend with us here on the Around the House program. I'm Ken Moon. We'll be here for another hour with, uh, as I said, part two of the program. We have a guest on the line who's been with us uh, several times in the past, my friend Brian from Eagle Crest uh, Heating and Air Conditioning. And uh, he's done his grandfather thing today, went to, a, to an ice show, but he decided he could squeeze us in on his cell phone. Brian, are you there? I am here, Ken. How are you? Good. How was the uh, how was the show? Well, it was uh, Mice on Ice, Disney on Ice. It was a good show. Okay. The kids uh, had a good time. We enjoy it, so it's a good day. Well, that's great. You know, you're a good grandpa. I, 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 I salute you, but thank you for sharing a little time with us here on the radio this afternoon. And um, Brian had forgotten about his obligation. Of course, I told him that grandpa stuff comes first. 
before uh, a, a radio show, but we were able to do both. So I'm glad you're, uh, I'm glad you're with us. We got an email this week. We might as well just get started here. If you want to talk about heating, okay. air conditioning, humidification, whatever, with Brian, airflow issues, return air, cold bedrooms, you can check in with us here at 303-713-8255. And <clears throat> Brian, I wanted to start. I got an email from Tom. This is right up your alley here. And I, I started to read this in the first hour, and I said, I'll save it for you. I have a new ranch home, okay. and I, I, the word new caught my attention, with a finished basement. The lower level seems impossible to heat. Is there any way to fix this? Take it away, Brian, because I don't know what the configuration is, but I'll bet you have some, some educated guesses, don't you? Well, first thing I'm going to look at will be uh, the return air for the basement. And even though they, they finished the basement, they may have put some return air down there. I'll bet you a foot-long Subway sandwich it's not enough. And it's usually a pretty easy fix. And, uh, you know, don't don't be surprised to hear that they maybe didn't do it quite right when they built it. But it could be a very easy fix. Uh, a phone call and a couple pictures, if they send them to me, I can probably resolve that issue pretty quick. Now, I see builders to this day, because I, I go out and inspect some new home projects for banks and stuff, and I see builders that put the heat register, the heat vent, on the ceiling and the return air on the ceiling and, uh, and and the furnace is upstairs so the upstairs is hot and the downstairs is cold all the time why do they why do they do that and why are they allowed to do that by the uh, by the city people what's going on there well in the case of for instance a basement and they finish the basement and the furnace is in the basement of course the upflow furnace the ductwork is coming out the top so that's going to be the easiest thing to do is to drop those registers in the ceiling. And they can use, that's usually okay, but it's so much more important in that situation that the, the, the return air is ample and down low for both heating and cooling the basement. I mean, that's really your only choice. It's going to be awful hard to run that ductwork up out of the furnace and across the ceiling and then down the wall. And then you got a concrete floor usually, unless it's a, yeah. you know, ply, uh, part of the board subfloor. And then now in the upper levels, um, yeah, we, we like to see returning both, you know, both down low and up high. If, if we've got our furnace in the basement and the, uh, the supplier vents are coming up out of the floor for the main level, you know, that's pretty common. So we'd like to get a return up high so that sucks the hot air up and uh, brings that back down to the air handler so it can be cooled and brought back up. I think I think you probably nailed it. It's the easiest thing for them to do, and you know, there's some things you can do to improve that, though. Yeah, we got a caller that wants to ask you a question about closing off vents. Jack in Longmont, you're on the air with Brian Piles and Ken Moon, and we're talking heating and air conditioning. Jack, what's going on with you? So I've had uh, two different uh, heating and air guys tell me two different stories. So you need to break the tie. Um, I've got a four-bedroom house. Uh, two of the bedrooms and one of the bathrooms is seldom used. If I close the vents and close the doors, will that put too much of a load on the furnace when it's running? It can. It absolutely can. And I find that rarely is that a benefit to do that. Uh, basically, you create, for instance, in the, in the wintertime when it's cold, you don't think you need to heat those bedrooms. 
what'll happen is that bedroom will get colder. You got to remember, there's no insulation in those interior walls between the bedroom and the rest of the occupied space. So that uh, heat transfer starts working against you. It'd be ahead, as long as your furnace is sized properly and your airflow is working correctly, you'd be ahead to leave all those doors and vents open. All and right. Yes, it That's what I'll do. Could. It could absolutely uh, uh, put a burden on your heating and cooling system. The only way to really tell that is to close a few vents and then take a quick static pressure test and see what your airflow is, and then that'll tell you how much of a burden it's putting on it. So, Brian, uh, what, you, what I what if, if I can if I can jump in here for a second, what I hear you saying is the house is one great big energy envelope. So what's going on? between rooms doesn't matter that much you're saying i mean uh, it, it, you're not wasting uh, energy by uh, by changing the closing the vents i mean you're not saving energy necessarily in the energy envelope by closing the vents off yeah you're absolutely not saving any energy by doing that because you just create uh, heat sinks and you know all the thermodynamics involved here your heat wants to move in a in a certain direction and if we have a cold space over here it's going to migrate through those uninsulated walls. So you're really not doing yourself any favors. Let that exterior envelope, all those insulated sealed walls and barriers do their job. So open all vents and I should be good. You should I keep those doors open too. Unless you got return air okay. in those rooms. You want to, nope, I'll leave them just, open. Uh, I think you'll do a lot better. I think you'll be better off. All right. I appreciate it. Thank you, Jack. Thank for you, your call. That's, a, that's a great question. I have, uh, over the years, I've recommended uh, in the in the summertime, and I'd love to kick this around here for a couple of minutes, Brian. I Let me give you an example. My house is a rancher, but the stairwell is open, and I have central air conditioning. As you know, you've been to my house, and, um, and in the summer, that cold air just wants to just, you know, blow down that or, 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 or flow down that stairwell, so I close about half the vents in the basement to make sure the more cold air is forced upstairs. Is that okay as long as the coils aren't freezing? What do you think about that scheme? I go along with that um, just as long as, uh, and I know in your case it's, that's not a problem, but you just, once again, you've got to be sure that you're moving the proper amount of air through that air conditioning coil or it can't perform as efficiently or as economically as it's designed to. It's designed for a certain amount of air to move through it. We start closing vents, we don't get it. So once again, when that cold air from your upper level is sinking down that stairway, you want a nice, big, large return, not just a little six-inch round pipe trying to, trying to pull all that air. You want something big that's really doing a job down there to bring that air back upstairs and run that yeah. fan more. I've got about, as you know, about a 20 by 20 down there or something. So that... Um, yeah. I have a lot of return air, but yeah, otherwise that basement gets so, you know, really chilly in the summertime, but we're, now oh, yeah. we're in the heating yeah. season. And um, so, so I, I'm, I'm fascinated with your answer to Jack, because I've always told people, well, you know, if you only, if you don't close off more than about, oh, I don't know, 15, 20% of the vents in your house, you're okay. But that's an, I, I, it was kind of a breakthrough that you said that, because what you're saying is the heat stays in the house and let it, let it do what it wants to do room to room. I love that. And and um, and you're probably helping the furnace anyway. That's great. I'm glad you uh, 
I'm glad Jack asked that question. I need to take a quick break here. We're talking to Brian from Eagle Crest Heating and Air Conditioning Questions, and we'd love it if you'd jump on board with us. The phone number is 303-713-8255, and we'll be right back right here on Around the House. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Things break around the house. That's why there's Around the House with Ken Moon. 20 minutes after 5 o'clock, we're talking to Brian from Eagle Crest Heating and Air Conditioning Questions. That, uh, that we would, uh, you want to jump on board, just give us a call, 303-713-8255. I wanted to, uh, I wanted to talk, Brian, uh, if, if, if we've kind of talked about airflow and vents and return airs and things like that. Humidifiers, uh, you know, I've told the audience before that I got that April Air 600 that, uh, that, uh, from you, and I just really love it. And so let's talk about humidifiers a little bit. I get questions about, you know, what do you like? Do you like steam humidifiers, uh, you know, power humidifiers? Talk a little bit about humidifiers, the different kinds. Most people probably don't know there are different kinds of, of uh, humidifiers. Okay. Um Probably one of the most frequently uh, questions I get is is the difference between a bypass and powered fan humidifier. Um, and I think a lot of people get the misconception that the, the fan-powered humidifier, that the purpose of the fan is to actually circulate the air throughout the house and humidify so you don't have to run the fan on your furnace. That's just not correct. All the little fan on the powered fan-powered humidifier does is transfer the air through the evaporative panel that is, of course, getting wet, and then that evaporates the water, and that's how we introduce the humidity into the house as a vapor. So the bypass humidifier is what we typically always use unless there's no way we can fit one on and we have to use a fan-powered humidifier. Um so that's the difference between the two. The bypass is actually using the air from the system, the static pressure, to be moved from the supply through the humidifier, through the return, to move the air that evaporates that water. So I'm, I don't know. I probably didn't explain that very well. No, no, I, I, I get it. Ways. So what about steam humidifiers? Uh, a lot of uh, custom homes uh, are using those. Is there any big particular benefit? That's a... It blows water vapor right into the airstream through a little nozzle, right? And uh, yeah. any are those are they better? Or about is there no particular benefit to them? Well, uh, you, you got to be careful with them. I, I find an awful lot of situations where 
it's been oversized and they're putting too much moisture in the air and they're getting saturation inside the ductwork and mold and bacteria growing in there because the only time I can actually justify using, say, for example, the April Air Model 800 steam humidifier is I got to have like a 6,000 square foot house and a lot of airflow to make sure that I don't let that happen because there really is no safeguard to prevent that moisture being sprayed in there as a mist and not collect on the inside of the ductwork and, and create condensation and problems down the road. Yeah, I like much better to be able to introduce that humidity as a vapor uh, already evaporated into mm-hmm. the ductwork so I don't have that problem. So I just am real uh, cautious of steam humidifiers. They, okay. yeah, they, they're rated to do a lot more, and yeah, they will, but they'll do too much. Let's talk to Bill and Littleton has a question about his venting system. So let's get Bill uh, on the air. Bill, you're you're on the air with Brian and Ken Moon uh, yes, around the house. Brian Hi. put a furnace in our house two three years ago. It's a seventy five hundred BTU, seventy five thousand BTU. I have a two floor ranch on the end of a townhouse, twenty five hundred square feet. And when I, if I leave all the vents on in the basement, there's seven vents in the basement, eight upstairs. It gets too hot downstairs, and I don't get any heat upstairs. And there's a cold air return in the basement. And I've been fooling around with it and fooling around with it. And when I, even if I close all the vents down the basement, it's still hotter down there than it is upstairs. Still too hot in the basement. Yep. And then and your thermostat upstairs is, uh, that's where your thermostat have, is located, right? On the I, main level, this is a ranch. Yeah, it's right story. at the top of the steps. I don't know if you remember this place. And another thing I want to know is, it was 100,000 BTU, and you said, oh, no, that's too big, and you put in a 75,000 BTU. And this is 2,500 square feet. It's 1,250 and 1,250 on each level. Is that that enough, you think? Oh, yeah. You get 1,250 square feet below grade and 1,250 square feet above grade? Yeah, yeah, it's the same configuration. Yeah. With an right. open stairwell, you know, so you have all that air moving. Yep. I can't close close it off at all, and it's it. We're not getting any heat up here. The airflow is good. You put a cold air return in the basement. Couple when we first moved in, and the airflow is wonderful. And I had a guy here that just okay. came my furnace. He he told me to to block up the the thing down the basement. Well, if you block that up, there's no airflow yeah. going up here. Block up the return. He told me to block the cold air return in the basement, and that'd alleviate. Oh no, you don't do that. But if I do block it up, I'm not. And I told him that I never got any. And I'm if if I block it up, there's no there. You know, it cuts the airflow up here way back. Right, because you restrict your air in, you're going to restrict your air coming out. Give me a call next week. I'll run out there and take another look for you. Well, I I, I'd love to if I could. Pin you down to when you're going to come out. <laughs> you know, give us a window so we know. Well, give him. A, uh, we don't sure. do the appointment give thing here call. on the show. Uh, so why, why don't you call Brian well, on Monday you know, and we gotta set up know a time. when you're going to come. Not. Well, I'm I'm okay. saying, give him a call <laughs> on Monday, and you. you guys arrange that that appointment. Bill, thanks for for your call. I appreciate right. it. Uh, that seems like just the opposite in a ranch home. You'd think it'd be hotter upstairs, but who knows. Um, Right, I mean, because heat rises, of course. So, are you still there, Brian? 
Hello? Yes. Okay. Sorry. Hello? Thought I lost you. So you'd think it would be hotter upstairs, oh, not okay. downstairs, but who knows, huh? So. Yeah, I'm not sure yet. We'll, we'll find out, though. I'm intrigued. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I could tell. Yeah, and I, obviously you won't charge him for that trip. You put the furnace in for him. But, um, you know, yeah, Bill, Bill uh, uh, you know, you guys set up the, the time, you know, on Monday, and we'll, we'll get that done. So back to humidifiers. Yeah. Um, the it, you, you do there's no doubt that you waste a little electricity if you run that furnace fan all the time and to get humidity in your house but sometimes you know it's worth it if people you got kids in the in the in the house that have you know nasal problems ear aches and and you know getting colds and maybe your skin's dry your nose is dry and all that stuff so how when you run that like that April air 600 I have when that thing runs the furnace fan all the time how much a month is that adding to your electric bill? Is it considerable or not? I've never asked you that before. Well, of course, there's a few factors involved. The old, uh, which I shouldn't say old, but only I'm going to say old because now there's slightly newer technology. But the older permanent split capacitor motors, they consume a little bit more electricity than, for example, the new constant torque motors. Um, but I've never had uh, anybody complain that they've noticed excessive uh, increase in their utility bill after they got their new humidifier. Now, when you talk about running the fan all the time, something that's very important that April Air offers is what's called blower activation. And uh, with the new humidifiers that April Air has, and not, they've been doing it for quite a while, but it's new, I guess, because so many people don't do it yet. Uh, it has the ability that what it will do is turn on the fan on the furnace when there's a call for humidity and activate the humidifier without you running your fan or having the heat on at that moment. So the old style where you could only operate it when the heat was on or with a current sensing relay when the blower was on, so you had to run your fan all the time. Well, then what was happening is the humidifier would run, it would bring the humidity up in the house, and then the humidifier would shut off. The fan on the furnace would keep running. Well, that's drying the air out. Uh, so then the, the humidity would drop, and then the humidifier would turn back on. So it was really inefficient. With this yeah. new blower activation, there's just really there's just no substitute for it. So it, the the blower runs based on humidity levels, regardless of what the gas the flames coming on and off in the furnace, right? So, um, right. The, so they're separate. Yeah. yeah, and that's what you 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 provided for me, and I really, as I said, I really really like my Model 600. It just it just takes charge and uh, works works pretty well. Well, Brian, I'm, normally <clears throat> we would keep you an hour, but I know you're with your family. It's a Christmas season. So uh, why don't we, uh, I'll just say Merry Christmas to you. We'll hook up again sometime, but I appreciate your being with us, taking time out from family stuff sure. uh, to be here. And uh, and uh, if you want to get a hold of Brian, it's 303-451-5607. He's a, a good guy, just tells you what you need, when you need it, doesn't try to upsell you. And You'll like the way he does business. I thought I'd say that, Brian. But listen, tell your family uh, and to you, Merry Christmas, and we'll talk to you again soon. Well, good. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Absolutely. Uh, for me, too. Thank you, Brian. We'll, we'll see you next time. 303-713-8255 is our contact line, and we're going to take a quick break now. I'll be right back with just regular questions, heating or otherwise, right here on Around the House.
baby, just slip a sable under the tree. Fix-It videos can be so confusing. Let Ken Moon help you fix things around the house. Santa baby, so hurry down the chimney tonight. 24 minutes before 6 o'clock. It's an old song, Eartha Kit. It's really a... A novelty song almost, but very sophisticated. I like that song a lot. Anyway, back to the phones we go. Jim is calling about our electrical uh, conundrum from last hour. Jim, you're on the air with Ken Moon around the house. Hi. How are you? Listen, hey. uh, I've been an electrician for a couple of weeks now since 1971. So oh, boy. Some of this new stuff I'm not so familiar with, but uh, you had a caller about the electric heat. And yeah. it's turning the breakers on and off. They do make special switch-rated breakers. So typically they're used in in offices and stores, but they're special breakers that turn on and off all the time. I would not lose a lot of sleep over that, but they're special. What yeah, bothers I, I... me and concerns me is this guy says he cannot get to the heater. The heaters then are stuck behind things, right? He said behind well, a desk or something. Yeah, it's under a computer desk where he's got to get in his well, hands and knees kind of thing, yeah. Well, the, the, the heaters need six inches plus space in front of them or they become a fire hazard. So what concerns me is he may have a fire hazard if the desk is pushed up against this thing. Okay. Or there's not enough airflow, it becomes a fire hazard. So, uh, uh, G- Jim, what's the? Uh, is there a rule also for stuff above the heater, like uh, curtains yes, and? nothing above yeah. it. Nothing above it. Nothing Can't above have your it. Drapes on top of it. No. Yeah. You know, you you, you got to have X amount, and it's in the instruction sheet. Uh, you could call the manufacturer. There's a manufacturer's name on it. I'm sure. But in typically minimum six inches in front, and you don't want drapes hanging above it. So, you know, uh, they get damn hot. And, you know, I've seen uh, where where a a heating element bursts and and shorts out. It's a mess, buddy. You know, scare the hell out of me. Yeah, well, you know, and you're making an excellent point. And first, and secondly, you're wasting energy if you're trapping the heat flow uh, around that that baseboard electric heater. It's just taking more electricity to heat the room. So, yeah, I, I hear you. Well, that's great. Thank you, Jim, for calling in. Our caller said that he had uh, he had heard that there were some special breakers. But, you know, I, I don't know if you agree with my advice. If he's turning this thing on and off once a day or something, I'm not sure he's got a big problem. Do you agree? Well, I would say if he was doing it every day, once a day, yes, he needs the switch breaker. It's, All right. It's designated as a switch, just like they have designated breakers for uh, for air conditioning. So, well, listen, I'll, I'll, I'll defer to your expertise 50 years in the business. I will. Uh, I hope he's still listening. So, I'm yeah. glad you. I'm well, glad you, you called. Once in a while, a couple times uh, during the week, probably not a big deal. I yeah. wouldn't lose a lot of sleep on it. Period. What yeah. concerns me is the distances around this heater. Yep. Yep. 
Jim, thanks for the feedback. I appreciate it. I'll say Merry Christmas to you. I appreciate your call. Okay, Merry Christmas All to you, righty, too. Let's what's go. Brian's number? It's 303-451-5607. Okay, I missed yeah. a couple of the numbers. I'm going to give him a call. Thank you. All right. Well, we have from Fort Collins. Uh, Elda, is that the? am I right, saying that right? That's correct. Hi. How's it going? What, what can I do for you? Our, our heating guy is gone, but what's going on? And maybe we can share <laughs> share um, something. I, I, I was wanting to know how much um, improvement has been made, oh, in the last, say, 30 years on baseboard heaters. Has there been much change? Electric baseboard heaters? Correct. Yeah. I, I don't think so. Uh, because okay. elect electrical heat is kind of almost 100% efficient. I mean, it it just uh, there's very little loss. It's just a it's a heating element, and uh, they're all uh, kind of similar. It, it's just a coil with 240 volts going through it. Uh, the uh, not that I know of anyway. Now the uh, if I were putting electric heat like in a oh a sunroom or something like that, I would sure want the thermostat on the wall, as you know. Elda, many of these electric baseboard heaters come with a little dial thermostat on the, uh, you know, on the unit itself, and they're a pain in the neck to crawl down there right. and get behind furniture and stuff. So if I were putting them in, I'd sure you can get a special wall, electric wall thermostat to, to service those, and that makes a lot more sense. But I think yeah, the technology has, has not changed. Has, yeah, my house has both. Some of the thermostats are on the wall. Some are on the unit itself. Yeah. So. You've got. We live in an, figured out how I have to, an all-electric house. Oh boy! Okay. What kind of electric bills <laughs> do you get in the wintertime up there in Fort Collins? Mm, as long as I I um I don't keep my house much above sixty, uh -huh. so I can keep it usually around two hundred. Okay. And is there any? But there's no natural gas in, down in the basement. There, yeah, there's, there's no, no natural gas, gas out in the street or anything. No. Okay. Well, it sounds like you're doing okay. If you're if you're telling if you're asking me, have they gotten more efficient over the years? I really don't think so. I think you're you're doing the best you can. If you've got good storm windows or or, or you know double pane windows in an electric house, of course, we want lots of attic insulation, uh, and I hope you have a lot of that. You should be okay. How much insulation is in your attic? Do you know? Um, I don't know. It's uh, the house is it's whatever was originally put in it probably needs to be redone it's uh it's probably so whatever's still left after 35 40 years so if the house is built in the 80s correct yeah you you may only have you, you could have nine inches up there or 12 inches it depends which code the house was built under but let me tell you that's i would do that uh sooner rather than later you want up there, especially with electric heat, about 15 or 16 inches of attic insulation because heat rises, as you know, and it leaks out through the attic. So I, that's a that's a in an electric heated house, electrically heated house, that's a big deal. So I would get an insulation contractor out there right away and uh, do the upgrade. It's not very expensive, and in an electric house, it'll pay for itself in a less than a couple of heating seasons. So I would get that okay. done because if you have never upgraded it, boy, I think that's important. Yeah. Uh, 15 to 17 inches, you said? 15 or 15 to 16, about an R48 to R50, 
and it depends okay. whether you use fiberglass or cellulose, but it's 15, 16 inches, and, and they'll have a recommend. That's the current recommendation uh, for our part of the world, and they'll have the charts for you and thing, but that's what it's going to turn out to be, yeah. Probably uh, could be almost double of what you have now, so I would get that done soon. Okay. Elder, thanks for your call, and I'll say Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you, too. Thank you. You, you take care. Sure. Let's see now. What, oh, we've got a quick commercial. Just had our buddy Brian on the air for a half-hour commercial, so to speak. He's our kind of consultant here on the show for heating and air conditioning. But he does uh, he does sell those April Air Model 600s we were talking about. Uh, he sold me one. I put it in myself. But I, I just love my April Air humidifier. It takes charge of the furnace, as we were talking about, and just turns the blower on and off when it needs to. And I would absolutely recommend you get one from Brian. They're 483 installed with a, a money-back guarantee. You'll love your April air. So give him a call, 303-451-5607. Ask him about that special around-the-house April air deal. Now, the last I didn't ask him this time, but the last time I talked to him, he had a limited supply. Now, you know, a supply chain, this and that going on in the world now. I'm not sure if that's changed any, but he, he, last time I talked to him, he, did, he didn't have a lot of them, so I would jump on that bandwagon. And by the way, if you want to get a little discount, you can get that $50 gift certificate from Eagle Crest just by asking me, and I'll forward it to Brian for any of their services. So just uh, send me an email through aroundthehouse.com, second button from the left, and I'll forward it to Brian. We'll get you that $50 gift certificate to get maybe to get the furnace cleaned or whatever you want to use it for. But again, if you want humidity in your house, and who doesn't, get that April Air Model 600 from Brian. Uh, only 483 installed, 303-451-5607. And we'll be back with your phone calls and more of this week's email right after this, right here on Around the House. Faucet to your furnace. Ken Moon has solutions around the house. Ten minutes before six o'clock on the Around the House program. Nice to have you with us here. Thanks for sharing your your weekend with us at the Around the House show. And Mike uh, Coover is in the control room and taking your calls. If you want to check in with us. We have time for a couple more calls at 303-713-8255. Peter says, I just had a water heater spring a leak. What should I look for when I go out shopping for a new one? Longer warranty, 50-gallon or whatever. Well, the, first, the size. I recommend you go, you go up one size because since the 90s and all those energy codes were passed, um, the water heaters are a little less efficient than they were in the old days, so to speak. And... So if you have a 30-gallon tank now, buy a 40. If you have a 40, replace it with a 50. You won't be sorry. Uh, there isn't a lot of, when you upgrade 10 gallons, you don't spend a lot of extra uh, extra money. But uh, I'm a, they're not an advertiser or anything, but I must tell you anecdotally, I'm a big fan of Ream water heaters. I have a Ream 50-gallon in, in my house, and that would be a good choice. Uh, and um, so I'd, I'd get a 50. I wouldn't spend a lot of extra money for higher efficiency 
or for a longer warranty because it takes too long to recover that extra uh, that extra cost. Uh, so I would just get the basic 50-gallon uh, water heater would be my choice. And, you know, you got to choose a plumber unless you're going to, Pete didn't say, Peter, if you're going to put this in yourself. If you do, that's fine. Make sure you pull a permit. you got to have a permit when you change water heaters because there's gas piping involved and venting and possibility of fumes and all kinds of implications. So you want to make sure you get a, uh, a permit for that. Otherwise, with plumbers, you know, shop around. You probably get a water heater price from ranging from 1000 to $1,400 for a new water heater. Of course, they have to haul, drain the old one and haul it away, which is an extra expense, of course. So just shop around a little bit, and, 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 and I think you know, you'll, find, you'll find a good deal out there somewhere. But I would look uh, for a ream. Another good brand that uh, people have good luck with is Bradford White. It's an old company, so you can check that out also. So that's a good, uh, that's a good thing to, to look for as, as, as a name brand, ream or Bradford White would be my choice. Talk to the plumbers, talk to the plumber of your choice and see if they carry those. Uh, I'm sure they do. Most plumbers can get you know, whatever they want from the supply house. Uh, let's see here. Um, I want to talk a little about sewers. You know, this is the time of year with all that greasy food going down the sewer drain and company comes, the bathrooms and showers are used uh, extra than more so than they are other times of year. Uh, other time of the year. If you're in an old home built before the mid-70s, you know, sometime you need to get a TV camera run through there once in a while, and this might be the good time of year to do that before the big holiday crash crush comes at your house. Not crash, crush from the guests and the food and the extra use and so on. So it's a good idea. Call a plumber and, and, and get a TV camera put through there. There's some companies... Uh, you, ha you know, I would a plumber you trust. You want to get a referral. They may not do it, but they'll know of a company uh, that'll run a, a fiber optic TV camera through your sewer line. It's a good. It's a good thing to do in older homes. If you have older, uh, the clay tile sewers that were popular up until, oh, I don't know, the 60s or so, and then we had cast iron, and we finally got to PVC plastic sewer lines somewhere in the early to mid 70s. But if you're in an older home, let's say 75 or earlier. It's probably a pretty good idea to get your sewer line checked out with a TV camera. It may usually, in most cases, it's just simply a root infestation in there, and you can uh, get that scoured out once a year or something, unless the roots are coming through a crack in the pipe or a break, and that's not good news, as you know. But it's 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 you know it's 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 helpful to know what's going on in your sewer line because Murphy's law uh, will crop up and bite you on the ankle this time of year. With extra, you don't want plugged up sewer at Christmas time. So, just thought I'd mention that too. There's still some time to get that done. Just talk to your, to your favorite, uh, favorite plumber. Uh, let's see. Here's an email from uh, Danny. I want to make my house more airtight. I feel cold air near the windows and around the outlets and exterior walls. Also, we have two fireplaces that have an outdoor air intake. Can I block those up, or should I leave them alone? Well, in cold weather. The area around the windows will always feel cold, even though the maybe the room temperature is 70, 72, something like that. It really, uh, so, you know, outside walls, whether they have windows or not, just feel cooler. It's, it's helpful to have insulated drapes covering your windows when it's, when it's cold out. It hasn't been extremely cold yet, but it will be uh, getting that way, trust me. 
Uh, remember that perception is everything, so if you have those insulated drapes, you won't feel cold and be tempted to turn the thermostat, uh, thermostat up. Some cold air around the outlets is normal, uh, only because the outlet sticks into the wall, so the back of the outlet is near the outside wall surface. surface. So those little foam pad inserts that you, you put under the outlet and switch plates do help reduce that heat loss. So just get those little foam pads, remove the plate, and put them in, you know, they, they're pre-cut for switches and outlets. As far as your fireplace goes, <clears throat> do not block up any air intakes before you check with an HVAC contractor. Uh, they may uh, be able to design another scheme to get, uh, to get combustion air to that fireplace, but if they're there, they're really needed, and you really don't want to mess with them because you don't want the fumes to get in your house. You don't, if, if you do with a closed front fireplace that has, a, say, a glass door on it, then you're liable to, you know, the flames won't be as, as efficient and vigorous. So there's lots of reasons not to block up, not to block up that, uh, those air intakes. I'll tell you another example of those is, you know, back in the 70s when the Arab oil shocks hit, we, there were a bunch of houses built in the 70s and up to the late 80s and um, they had a cold air intake cut right into the furnace system, just just straight in. We were worried about carbon monoxide buildup and because we were sealing houses up with caulking and storm windows and so on. So we uh, decided that we needed to get extra air into the house so that we didn't create fumes and dangerous situation with carbon monoxide and all that. So uh, we put <clears throat> direct outside air intakes into the furnace system. And those are cold. Those pipes are cold in the wintertime. So people, it's very common to, even to this day to see people stuffing rags and chunks of insulation in those incoming air vents. If you have one in your house that goes right to the outside, you can't just block it up without checking in with somebody. What, what I mean by that is a heating contractor uh, will want to, you want to get him to hear him or her to okay or blocking up uh, exterior vents that bring in combustion air, because again, you can get fumes in the house if you block that air out. The, you starve the furnace for air, and it starts getting a little, shall we say, fumey, and that's not a good thing. So don't block up any vents. But the good news is, you know, your heating contractor can probably block them up permanently, and they can steal air from somewhere else in the house, like through a louver door or grills or in the wall or something. You're allowed now, the rules have relaxed a little, you're allowed to get a lot of that air from the inside. So... That's something I want to make sure that you are aware of. Well, that's all she wrote for the program. We thank John Creddy for being with us and Brian Piles from Eagle Crest. Uh, nice to have a couple of guests to, uh, to talk to today on the program. Uh, the podcast will be up. Michael put it up right after the show goes off the air. So if you need that podcast, if you can't listen live, then the podcast is an alternative. Go to roundthehouse.com and click on Listen to Podcasts. Mike Coover, thanks for your help in the control room. We'll see you next time. God bless. Have a wonderful week. Same time, same station next week right here on Around the House.
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.